Good morning, Northgate and friends. Whether it's morning or afternoon, I hope things are going well. We're going to get into God's Word this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. But before you do that, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your Word, your truth. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. God, we want to grow. We want to become more like you. Thank you for your truth, which guides us and leads us no matter how we're feeling. We have an anchor. We have a gauge that speaks truth to us each and every day, and we give you praise for that. Lord, just bless our time this morning. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Okay, so we've come to the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Dealt with a lot of different things, and I was thinking this week that, yeah, it's kind of been the COVID book in a way because we started at the beginning of COVID going through this book of 1 Corinthians. Yes, it certainly has taken us a while, probably five to six months, but we are thankful for all that we've learned and the practicality of the book speaking into different things and the challenges that we have heard. So in this last chapter, in chapter 16, it's a little bit of a hodgepodge of information. It's Paul giving his concluding remarks and some statements in regards to his personal plans, what he plans to do when he comes to Corinth in regards to a collection, some final exhortations to the people, and a solemn farewell. So it's a little bit different. There's not really a theme per se, but I think the Lord this week has allowed me to come up with a little theme and hopefully it encourages you today. It seems as he finishes the book, there's a lot of words about individuals, whether that's Timothy, whether that's Apollos, whether that's Stephanos or some of the others, he has some greetings and some words for them. And as I was thinking about that, it became clear to me how important people were to Paul. And Paul loved people and God had called him to people. And that's not much different than today. People fellowship is crucial in this time. And I'm thinking in these last six months, we've learned the importance of fellowship. And I don't necessarily mean the meeting or gathering of the church, though wonderful that is, and we can do that again and not having it for a while. But what we should be doing for each other, what it means to have each other in our lives. And so often we can forget about these things, but I just think there was just three things I wanted to mention in regards to this chapter, to how we can minister to people or how people can minister to people and how Paul is exhorting them or encouraging them in these areas as he concludes this letter. I was also thinking in my devotions um, earlier, I was in 1 Samuel chapter 22, um, and it was all about David as he was being run out of town per se by Saul, because Saul was afraid of him becoming the next king, and it said he went to a cave, the cave of Adullam, and there he had people gather around him. He began to form a little bit of a fellowship, and I thought it was interesting that it was three things that describe the people who gathered around him. People in debt, people who were distressed, and people who were discontented. 
And as I looked at chapter 16, funny how the Bible works. It's almost like Paul saying, we have people in our lives to help us, debt, distress, and discontent. Well, let's see what he says about those things. In chapter 16, in the first four verses, he encourages them about taking a collection for the saints. He says, I've given orders to the churches of Galatia, and so you must do also. So this is something he's talking about to all the churches on the first day of the week. Let each one lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there will be no collections when I come, because it will be ready for him. And when I come, you, we can be approved by letters. I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. So the church in Jerusalem was going through a very difficult time, and they needed financial resources. And so Paul's saying, take a collection for them that you can help them out. And one of the first ways we can help people or we need to be helping people or in the past maybe you have been helped by the church a group of believers uh, is financially just simply giving giving to brothers and sisters who have need and it's something we should be doing it's something that we're called to do you know the book of acts is very clear that there was a unity among them and as they gathered together they were to have things in common to help one another our society in so many ways has become so individualistic and we take care of ourselves but in the church we're called to help one another and obviously we do that carefully we do that prayerfully we do that in wisdom but if we see a need I want to encourage you as Paul is encouraging these believers in Corinth hey there's a group of people that needs your help in Jerusalem and you should help them you should take a collection for them and maybe in your life you would consider this week, how can I be a blessing? How can I help someone else? And I have seen wonderful things in our body and that the Lord has allowed me to see as pastor, people asking me, well, does this person have a need? Does this person have the need? And sharing, well, yeah, they do. And anonymously giving to that person or the church being able to help people out in difficulty. It is a tremendous witness to the world as we love one another by helping each other by taking some of our resources when we're prospering even as he says when you prosper set some aside to help others the bible is clear and it's interesting as you carry on in second corinthians again he's going to bring it up and he's going to use the example of the church in macedonia who gave out of their poverty to help other christians and i think as we're doing that we really are sharing the love of Christ. I heard a story uh, during COVID of a church that gave some money to another church. It wasn't that anything was stated, it was discerned through prayer. And so this church gave some, not a lot, by the way. I think it, um, from what I heard, it was just $500. But that church received it with gladness. You know, churches, in some ways in our society are competing. And so when there is that gesture of love, it's absolutely amazing. And that church felt that that's so wonderful and being motivated and encouraged through the Lord by that gift, they went and blessed another church that they heard had need, which was more money. So instead of in the hundreds, probably the thousands. And I thought that was absolutely incredible, but that wasn't the end of the story. When another church heard of what the original church did and how it spurred on that church, 
and they gave $20,000 to another church in need. And I think, wow, it starts with the spark of one person, not the amount, demonstrating generosity, one group of believers, and how that can become something so special. We are called to bless and help one another. So maybe this week, practically, who can you help? What is God putting on your heart? Pray about it. If there's a little extra, and I believe in this country, we all have a little extra, and sometimes we need to remind ourselves by giving. What is the needs out there? What is shown in the body of Christ where we can help and step into? Well, as he carries on, so by the way, that was the debt part, like all these guys gathering debt. And I'm sure in David's time gathering in that cave that they would help one another out. Well, Paul, back to Paul, continuing in his journey and his personal plans, says that he wants to, to visit them in Corinth, but he's going to stay a little while in verse 8 in Ephesus uh, till P Pentecost because there was a great and effective door of ministry open to him. He said there's many adversaries. That happens when God's moving, but God is bigger and stronger. But he says this in verse 10. If Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace, that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. I find it very interesting that he mentions Timothy, and he's telling the church in Corinth, as believers, when he comes, to encourage him in his distress. It seems that Timothy struggled with fear, timidity. We know that from the books of 1 and 2 Timothy, especially 2 Timothy chapter 1, where Paul says, you have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. For whatever reason, that's what he struggled with. But I love Paul's instruction. He says to the church in Corinth, don't focus on the negative. Don't focus on his fear, but rather know what he is doing. Don't despise him, but almost in a sense, encourage him, send him on his way. I am waiting for him. I am eagerly desiring him. It's easy within the church with different brothers and sisters to see what we are not good at. It's easy to pick out fear or anxiety. It's easy to pick out this, that, or the other. We become experts on that. People certainly are in distress, and sometimes they're working through that distress. And I think God calls us to be patient and have grace with people. The same grace we receive from the Lord Jesus Christ, we want to share and give to one another. It's distressful. I think about this season. I think how distressing it can be to people. And I think at times, so many of us, including myself, can be so judgmental of others, not knowing really what is formulated or caused that in someone's life. So instead of helping them on their journey, we're actually pushing them away. Instead of being patient and gracious and loving where they're at, we're more apt to discuss what is it, why is it, instead of just simply walking with them. Timothy was in distress. We know this was an issue. But through the grace they could offer him, as Paul was encouraging them to do, they could bring peace to him. They could send him on his journey. I love that. In peace. Paul was the master encourager. And sometimes encouragement comes through exhortation, but it's all through the heart of love. 
And there are people who are distressed in our lives. Sometimes we're distressed. This whole season is bringing distress. But it's a tremendous opportunity for us to minister grace, to bless people, to help them in their journey with these issues. Tremendous, tremendous opportunities. You know, if it's not financial, there are so many opportunities to speak into people's lives with love and grace, to help them, to have interest into them. Like, you know, the problem is never the problem. You know, why are we dealing with taking the time to understand, to encourage, to bless people, to send them on the way to love them? This is a necessary part of fellowship. What we don't need is judgment. What we don't need is shortness. We need the heart of Jesus Christ, who is always gracious with his disciples. And yes, at times there is exhortation. We know that the faithful wounds of a friend are like medicine, but there's a connection, there's a love that continues on. So today, how can you help someone financially? The debt issue. But also, do you see people, just gonna hit this button here, in distress? And how can you minister to them through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? How can you invest in them rather than judge them? And what we can say to people in this time, as he says in verse 13 to the body in Corinth, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Think of these words to Timothy. Think of these are the words we need to say to each other. Let all that you do be done with love. It's not time to give in or give up. It's a time to continue in the midst of where God has put us in this season, to continue on fighting on, standing fast, seeing how we can affect each other by sharing the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. In verse 15, the third thing, if we talked about back to Samuel debt, and we've talked about distress, the third one is discontentment, where you just get tired and pooped and you run out of steam and you lose your joy in what God has called you to do, whatever that is. But Paul says that he would urge them, the brethren in verse 15, about the household of Stephanus, who was a first fruit of his ministry in Achaia, because they've devoted themselves, the King James Version says, addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, to blessing others. He says, you should submit to them and their work And Paul says this in verse 17 and 18. He says, I was so glad about the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus to him because they supplied something he was lacking. He says in verse 18, they refreshed my spirit and yours. I love that. To the discontent, we need people ministering God's grace and love standing strong, thinking of them, working in ministry, blessing other people. And we're all ministers, by the way. It's not just for one. We're all called to bless one another. He says, because they refreshed my spirit. I love that word, to be refreshed. To think of a hot day and you're refreshed. Think when you're tired and you're refreshed. There's something about that. If you're able to take a break or you spend time with the Lord and you're refreshed, you have new zeal and new energy that things aren't going to wear you down. And that's what this fellowship 
of these individuals did for Paul. They refreshed him, not physically, it says, in my spirit. And I was thinking, how do we refresh people in the Lord? What is the best way to do that? How can we refresh people? I know in my life, sometimes I can be a drain on people, and I don't want to do that. I want to be refreshing to people. I want their spirits to be energized in through me in our presence or any fellowship we have. We certainly, those discontented, those tired, losing their joy, poop, that we can refresh them in their spirit. But how do we do that? And I just thought a couple things as we close in fellowship. How can we truly refresh people in the Lord? The first thing I would say in your relationships, always just direct people to Jesus. Don't direct them to the problems. Don't direct them, regurgitate the problems. Bring Christ into the picture. Bring his love. Bring his grace. Bring his presence. Refresh them in the encouragement to look at Jesus. What is Jesus to you? Is Jesus that refreshment? Is Jesus that good news? Is he a good God? Then you can present that to them in their struggles. Struggles are real. We all struggle. We all get discontented. But we can be refreshed by looking at Christ. So we have this great ability to point people. It's not our great advice. It's not our counseling. Sometimes it's simply by saying, this is Jesus. This is who he is. This is our core values. This is our heart, that God is good, that he is working. There are verses that we can encourage people in, that he is working all things for good for those who love the Lord. These are things as we direct people to the goodness, the righteousness of our God, that will change them, that will refresh them. Also that, speak testimony to them. Not for arrogance, if you hear of what God's doing, share it with people. People are encouraged by stories. I think sometimes I get so worried about theologically being correct, and I, and, and I want to be, and I want to teach God's word, that I forget that stories of how people are practically being encouraged in truth really, really builds people up. And this is nothing new in scripture. In Revelation, how do we beat Satan? It's the blood of the lamb and the word of testimony. What God has done. And if God has done it, and he has been faithful, that he is continually working, whether we can see him or not. Whether you are tired, hey, listen, Stefano's coming to Paul. Hey, look, this is what God has done in my life. This is what he's doing in this town, that he is alive and working. And sometimes people are very discouraged and, oh, is God working? Well, yes, he is. And hear how he is. You should hear this, what's going on. And if we simply can direct people to Jesus and what he's doing, it will bring people up. It will bring an attitude of gratitude. It will bring a heart of thanksgiving. And thanksgiving brings joy and it takes away discontentment. I was thinking about that. I was listening to a new song that Stefan wrote this week. And one of the lines in the song that I circled in, uh, in my head, but I wrote it down and I sent, sent a word to him saying, hey, thanks for that, for that word is, he wrote this, give me a heart of gratitude instead of always asking why. 
a lot of people are asking why. Why this? Why do we have to go through this? Why is a government doing this? Why is this virus here? Why, why, why? But you know what? God is saying, what are you thankful for? How am I working? Look at me. I am sovereign. I'm in control. I am present. I haven't gone anywhere. So Lord, simply let us look at you and what you've done and have that heart of gratitude and stop complaining in the questions. May we see the opportunities of what God wants to do. Not looking at what we can't do, but seeing what we can do and investing in that. No matter the phase of life, there's going to be things we can't do. But we're only going to be discontented if we look at those. But if we look at what we can do and step into them, there's encouragement. There's lightness. It's almost a little bit of my week. I love it how God weaves in the teaching that I'm looking at with my week Monday. Maybe I was a little bit blue. Uh, the boys had gone home. Stefan and Caleb were home. We had a great family time and I had to do some exercises uh, for my mentorship program that I do. And it brought up some areas in my life that I don't think I had completely dealt with. And as that little bit of scars was unveiled, yeah, it was difficult. I felt brokenhearted and I had a discipleship group that night and I said, well, how can we describe how you're feeling today? And I said, well, I feel a little broken, you know, and not only that, like this season seems to be going on forever. Uh, is this the new normal? And then looking at my own life and thinking, you know, things aren't going to be the same. Things are changing and looking at all, maybe a little bit of the negatives and that drawing me to a place where I didn't need to be. Well, Tuesday night, I was asked to teach at a school of ministry in Ottawa via Zoom. And it's interesting, um, Andy Falour, who is in charge of that, asked me uh, this question. I just want you to share stories of how God has answered prayer in your life and for your church. So I sat down Tuesday and I started to write, God, what have you done? What have you done? What can I share that you have done? And God started to remind me of all of these amazing things where he worked in prayer and he moved and people's lives were changed and how he answered sometimes miraculously in our lives through provision or when it was difficult in church, bringing the people we needed at the time or the finances or when we were in distress, how God worked in those moments. It's almost like everything I was going to teach today, I was able to say, wow, Jesus was so good. He did this. I remember when we got that check in the mailbox or that was dropped off. I remember when I was struggling with fear and I had a brother speak to me and encourage me in a 24-hour prayer retreat. I remember when that brother was woken up in the middle of the night to speak into my life and how it encouraged me. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. We need each other. It was amazing as I look back thinking of it and then Wednesday we had our prayer meeting we have that every Wednesday evening at seven o'clock we have our intercessors gather on zoom and we started praying and God just put on my heart listen trials are not always negative trials are working in us in me in you James would say to bring perseverance to develop our character they're bringing opportunities. And I started to think about that. I said, how am I looking at this whole season? 
on Monday and change and not liking change to know, God, you've worked in the past to Wednesday. God, what do you want to do? God, this is an opportunity. God, we are not in something in a sense that's all negative and distress and discontentment. This is an opportunity for your light to shine in amazing ways that you can use us to minister to people's lives. And instead of seeing so much of the negative, God, you are working. God, you are the same. You were the same before the pandemic. You are good. You're loving. You're kind. You still are those things. You still will be those things because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you have a plan for us. And you're causing us to grow under pressure. And you want to use us in our community in how to bless people and change people. And man, did I start to get excited. And I think you should be excited too because God has given us the body of Christ to minister one to another. And God has given us this time, this season, this opportunity to be believers ministering one to another and to a lost world. This week, Amy and I are gonna share on the midweek reminder, it's time for our light to shine. It's time as darkness increases and grows for us to step in as light in a dark world. It's time for us to take the basket off our light and to shine as believers in Jesus Christ. You know what, Paul needed people and so do I and so do you. And we need to minister to people. We need to minister Jesus and what he's doing. So may the Lord help us this week. May God just bless us as we look to bless others. Thank you, Jesus. Have a great Sunday. Have a great week. Shine for him. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.